The Ziggler Show comes from the legacy of Zig Ziggler and brings together personal and professional growth, business success, and faith. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this episode, address the pain instead of just trying to push past it. I'm back with Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, who in episode 811 led us in eight key areas we need rest in order to be at our best. This is my habits show, and no surprise, Sandra is very clear and specific in her habits and routines with rest in multiple areas being paramount. One of her morning routines I really admire is asking herself how she wants her life to affect others this day. I also took advantage of Sondra being a practicing doctor to ask what habits she finds herself recommending most to patients. And she cited a primary issue with patients as them being sedentary and her prescribing that they move, have some movement, exercise, and also the benefit and enjoying food in its natural form. Well, you're going to hear this and much more in the episode. I highly encourage you to take Sondra's rest quiz and check out her new book and see all she has to help you with by going to IChooseMyBestLife.com. Uh, you're going to gain a lot by hearing this behind-the-scenes look into Sandra's most valued personal and professional habits. So I'm going to get started and bring you Sandra right after I let you know, know what else we've got for you and uh, share some great products and services as well. All right, Sandra. Well, I, you know, everybody knows that we, to some degree, look at the Ziegler Wheel of Life, and I appreciate that because it's not too far off the tenets of your book, Sacred Rest, where you go through physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, social, sensory, creativity. They fit within those. So, you know, starting off just from a personal standpoint, if you're going to stand on, hey, these are the key habits and routines that I value I'm not going to miss on a given day if at all possible what rises at the top well the one thing I do every morning without fail is I do a quick kind of I call it a self-analysis about what I want that day to look like and the very first thing I look at is just personally what do I want to make sure that I accomplish that day as far as feeling my best and so it could it differs every day but I like to pick one thing that I'm going to accomplish that day whether that be um, for example today it's it's a 15 minutes on the treadmill. That is my accomplishment for the day. I want to make sure no matter how busy or full my day is today, I want to spend some time just getting my circulations and lymphatics moving. I call it active physical rest where you're not trying to, you know, burn calories. You're just trying to get your your body in motion so that it actually feels better. Your joints are loose and everything's flowing well. So that was my personal today. I always then look at what do I want with my relationship with God and usually that has either to do with time in scripture or time praying or something specific. And then the third one is then how do I want to have something, um, my life affect others? And so usually I try to pick one person that I'm going to surprise in a way that they wouldn't expect. Wow. Maybe it's an introduction to someone they didn't know. Maybe it's notifying them of an opportunity that I can't speak at, but I know that they would be great at. Um, It could be something as simple as sending someone a coffee gift card. But I always want to, and I like to do that at least five days a week. Um, On the weekends, I don't necessarily run through the same routine, but I like to have that be kind of my workday routine because I want my work to always benefit me, to benefit God, and to benefit others. 
So how about on a professional level? And I, I didn't ask, are you in, uh, how, how often are you in practice uh, as a doctor today? Well, right now I do a lot of telemedicine, so it can oh, yeah. be any, any, specific, <laughs> any specific time of the day, um, the way that's set up. Um, but typically I was working more along the lines of three days a week in the office. Okay, so how about there? As you're going in and dealing with that, what are some of the primary, you know, habits and routines, structure even, or boundaries even that you keep to keep you where you need to be uh, as uh, as restorative as possible? To go back to our first show. Yeah, well, in the office, one thing that I know that I have to be aware of all the time is really how my body is feeling. Mm-hmm. The you know, medicine now is a lot of it's done on the computer, even long before telemedicine, just the electronic medical records. And so you have the increased eye strain, you have the ability to have worsening neck and back pain. You know, there's so many areas that your body can get just the ergonomics of your desk and your work situation can affect how you feel. And so for me, that's something that I'm always aware of. And so within my personal practice, I'm constantly thinking of, and am I hurting somewhere? Do my wrist hurt all of a sudden? Or does my neck hurt? Or am I having a headache? Um, And I'm always looking at that because I think for many of us, we try to push through those kind of momentary pains and then at five, six o'clock hits and you're like, oh, I feel horrible. Whereas if we address it in the moment when we start feeling that and not just trying to ignore it or push past it, you're actually able to get it under control much more efficiently. And so I'm very aware of that, particularly since, as I stated, you know, with medicine, this is the reason people come to me, their back, neck, and everything else hurts. Yeah. So to, to be aware of that myself, because I know I don't pay attention as well or in, as engaged as I can be when I myself is hurting as, you know, in the moment. So you are uh, internal medicine. That's your arena. Give yeah. a quick description for people because not everybody's involved in medical and knows what that entails. So what are your primary pathologies you're addressing? Yeah, so internal medicine, uh, simple terminology is basically I'm a doctor for adults. So I do everything from um, seeing my patients in the emergency room to seeing them in the ER to the ICU to in the office. And so the things that I tend to treat on a day-to-day basis would be things like high blood pressure, diabetes, um, any type of aches or pain that someone would come up with uh, in the hospital. It could be anything from flus to pneumonias to uh, kidney failure to strokes to heart attacks. Um, it's And it's all adults. So I don't see anyone under the age of 18. And I think my oldest patient I've ever seen was 107. Wow. So from 18 to 107 that's a, is the range. That's a good range. Okay. So let me, let me ask, I'm going to take advantage of the reality of what you do to say in a given I, whatever you want to take a given week, a given month, as you're dealing with that, I mean, my gosh, you just, uh, you just hit on some of the primary medical issues of our time, especially here in America, uh, high blood pressure, diabetes, heart attacks, and, and, and on and on. What are some of the primary healthy habits and routines you find yourself espousing to your patients? Well, I think the number one thing that many people don't think about Um, is really just making sure that they don't live a sedentary lifestyle. (laughs) I think it's very easy to get in the habit of not moving, uh, especially since, you know, everything is so easy (laughs) now. Um, You know, you can have food even delivered to you. Everything can be done without you doing very little 
on your end. And I think it's important, as much as I love rest, I love movement. I think people should be aware of the need to stay active. Um, even if you're not able to like go do your normal routine, I, you know, I know in our current times, gyms are closed and, you know, public parks yeah. and things are difficult to try to do some things that you can do at home and just adopt some, some activities you can do at home to stay active. Um, another thing that I tend to have patients really focus on is when we talk about, um, rest, one of the things that, uh, and particularly sensory rest, one of the things I think people sometimes are surprised when I say um, part of that includes enjoying food in its natural form. <laughs> I, I get people look at me like, what do you mean by that? It means like it shouldn't always come in a bag or with a wrapper. <laughs> Some things should come straight out the earth and you just wipe it off and eat it because there's a benefit to that, you know, with our digestive tracts and the need to always kind of make sure that things are being cleaned out appropriately, the enzymes that are in foods and the that are necessary really for health. We talk about immunity, you know, and everybody wants to have a, a great immune system. Well, you're not going to have a great immune system if everything is over-processed and everything has been nuked a thousand times before it ever reached your mouth. So I think it's important to kind of be aware that there's a lot of healing that can come just by getting foods in their natural states and kind of going back to the beginning, so to speak, um, before we were able to order everything and just have it delivered. Hey, my favorite resource on that, Sandra, is Michael Pollan's book, Food Rules. Uh, and he mm -hmm. talks about what he, you know, what is food, what's not food, and mainly saying, you know, if you, if you, if your kid or your grandma can't pronounce it, it's not food. And there's your bag or wrapper <laughs> of processed foods that, yeah, do not, do not do a body good uh, at at all. Well, you know, when you look at your the current times, and you just mentioned this in regards to physical activity, where the gyms are closed, have. Are there any specific key, again, habits, routines, things you do for your own health that you've had to alter because of our current pandemic? Yeah, I'm, I like I like to have like goals. I'm a very goal oriented person. And so this summer I had a goal of a, um, my first marathon. I've done lots of oh, half wow. marathons. And so I had a goal of my first marathon. My husband and I were going to have it in Hawaii. It's our 20th wedding anniversary. Oh, wow. I've been training. Um, the race was in June and they canceled in April. Gosh. So you can imagine, I was yeah, like at yeah. to 18 miles, <laughs> you know, by the time they canceled, it's like, really? You know? <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah. this is the thing that I had to, to personally do um, because I always have to have goals. So whether it was that race, it was going to be another one, you know, coming down the line. I have to have that to be able to stay motivated to exercise. I'm just very goal oriented. And as much as I appreciate rest, I can't strip away my normal personality, yeah. which likes gold. And so something that I've really enjoyed over this past couple of months uh, it really is doing goals that I can do at home. Um, one that I've loved is it's uh, every day of the month, you do something for that number of days. So this past month, it was flights of stairs. Oh. So on day one, I did one flight of stairs. On day 31, I did 31 flights of stairs in my home. And so, wow. you know, that's a small goal. I mean, in the big scheme of things, but it keeps me motivated Yeah. because I don't have an excuse. Today's day 15. I need to do 15, yeah. <laughs> 15 flights of stairs or, or it could be 15 push-ups or 15 sit-ups or whatever it is that you're wanting to work on. 
And I think that's for some of us who are goal oriented and we can't do our normal things like races or going to the gym for a set number of hours to just find something that kind of works with your personality that still keeps you in that kind of mindset. Because I I need that. I need that kind of regimented thought process of of having a schedule to really be able to, to keep track of that. I, I'm with you. I had planned double, literally double the amount of mountain bike races uh, I was going to do this summer as opposed to last summer. And instead, I've done, of course, absolutely none because right. nothing is happening. It's, yeah, it was really disappointing, but we have to adjust. So I'm going to pick on a pick on something here, uh, Sandra, as a as a doctor. And I happen to know so many. I'm related to some. And when it comes to the financial arena, ask you about your mm-hmm. habits and routines there, because as doctors, you're expected to spend a lot, showcase a lot. And we know, I mean, that was the millionaire next door, some of the highest income earners, but spenders are doctors and they often did not have wealth. You know, they had not accumulated mm-hmm. it because of that doctor lifestyle. So I see that with my uh, partner, Dr. Randy James, co-host of my other podcast, and he lives a very different life from other doctors. And, but that's, again, you get cultural pressure there amongst your own peers. So all that to say, tell me about the financial side of your habits and routines. Well, for me, I think because I I look at that a little bit different. When I think about my medical career, I love seeing patients. I guess I've done that for over 20 years for 40 hours a week in a traditional type medical practice. Um, After um, probably about 10 years ago is when I really started thinking about, do I want to work 40, 50 hours a week for the rest of my life? You know, (laughs) is that I mean, is that even healthy or feasible? And do I even want to do that? And the answer was no, I didn't want to do that. So I started looking at ways of taking what I know and then doing things that allow for more passive income. Books was part of it. Um, Speaking's part of it. And especially now when you can do virtual speaking um, for events, corporations, uh, associations. Uh, And then on top of that, the thing that really I think has helped me the most is I really got big in doing um, online courses. putting that knowledge in a way that it could be licensed out to do like um, specifically burnout prevention, or it could be related to um, in the author arena, working with other Christian authors and how to market and brand and do media and those types of things. But there's so many different things that I learned along the journey that could be packaged in a way that you could teach it in a course. And the course is automatic. So you don't have to be present every time. You know, you can have some live Q&As that are done throughout the month, but you're not having to teach every single session of it. And unlike um, doing like personal coaching where you have to be present and active, which is just like being a physician, you know, you only get paid when you're actually physically working there. I think it's important to have some income that is more passive. And that can include investments, because I think that's important as well. But that was a big jump for me to start thinking about, I need to get, uh, I need to break away from the time for dollars exchange and find a way that I can help people, which was important for me, and still not have to always be present (laughs) for that to happen. Yeah, which again, in the medical profession, as esteemed of a profession as that is, I've always looked at it and go, but hey, that's, that's the biggest time for money. Just like being a lawyer, it's high income, high status, but man, it is time for money. And so you it talking is. about those arenas of business, that is, 
obviously abnormal for the medical community. Obviously, it changed a lot for some people with uh, with COVID and the current pandemic. But, well, Sandra, I want to, you know, personal is one of the spokes that we often talk about. And I really wanted to highlight it with you because it's, to me, the essence of your book. When, I, when we look at that and talk about self-care and the psychological hoops and challenges we have to we have to put in place there because to a lot of people that feels oh that's luxurious luxurious you know i just pour out and take care of everybody else i don't take care of me and of course in your book you're saying no you you take care of you to take care of other people better which we covered in the first show it's folks if you're listening to that and you didn't listen to, to episode 811 that we did together please do so but when you look at the areas that you cover i mean they are about self-care to mm-hmm. a degree. So I'm going to ask you about your own. What are the th- some of the primary things you do? Uh, and I know you covered a couple of them already, but for your own self-care and kind of being your, your own awareness of your own barometer. And I'm going to tack onto that. Where do you, within your own, your own material, where do you struggle the most to remain restorative? Yeah, love that question. I had someone asked me the other day, when's the last time I went to restquiz.com and took my own quiz. Well, I, I got to admit, it's been a while since I've taken my own <laughs> quiz, yeah. but I constantly am doing that just kind of organically, just because that's kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm accustomed to kind of an, an analyzing, um, analyzing rather my own level of rest deficit in each of these areas. Huh. And so the one that I tend to stay at the most depleted at this point in my life has been creative. Huh. Uh, creative rest because I'm I'm always thinking of new things. I'm always trying new things and I'm always writing. Um, oftentimes I'm doing a lot of things related to um, media and um, assisting with kind of brainstorming with new topics and new ideas just with my team. And so, you know, it's one of those things where if I'm not very careful, I'll be depleted in that area because I'm always trying to think outside of the box and come up with a fresh idea and and kind of be on top of just what the next thing I want to research and study and write about. And so, you know, it's not easy to break away to get to like the ocean or the beach or um, the mountains or any of those areas that are beneficial for creative rest. And so I really had to start thinking about ways of getting that without leaving my home. And so that's when um, some of the research that talks about different colors and how different colors affects different people. So those people who like water are affected differently by looking at blues and aqua colors versus looking at yellows. And so starting to think about how does my body respond? How do I feel emotionally? Uh, and how do I, you know, do I feel restored at looking at certain colors and making sure that I surround myself with those images, either they on my computer or within my home, or even with clothing that is within that, that color realm to bring that vibrance and that relaxation and that feeling that I get from looking at those colors. You are listening to The Ziegler Show in this Habits episode with Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. Next, I bring up the revelation I'm dealing with myself with some significant creative unrest, meaning I'm creating so much, which I love, but I'm stalling out and need some rest. So it's a bit of a personal coaching session from Sandra with me. We'll jump right back in after I share some great products and services with you. It's so interesting, as we talked about in the first show that we just, of course, just recorded a little bit ago, um, Sandra, it's so appropriate because I am right now in creative, uh, creative unrest and mm-hmm. I didn't, 
I, I, mean, I knew something's off. I didn't have it pegged. I wouldn't have without your book and without talking with you. So uh, thank God for his divine intervention in that because I just felt like counter to who I normally am that I, I need to just not, I need to do nothing. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and literally I went on, I, I, I shared that I went on, you know, vacation, which means we, you know, with the family and we did everything we possibly could. <laughs> I took books with me, fiction books on purpose. Didn't read a lick, none, zero. We stayed in the water and played and, you know, huge expenditure and huge, you know, experiences and stuff, but was not rest. So that's an interesting thing to think, man, if you want to be creative. So for so many people listening to the show, they are in there, they are creating, they are inventing things. They are needing critical thinking skills. They need to develop things. They need to make decisions that if they're struggling with that, as I'm saying, I am right here right now doing that. We need to take a time of, of not. So, so specifically what are, what's your own medicine for you to restore yourself creatively? Well, it's twofold because a part of me loves to be um, poured into, so to speak, because that's part of the restoration. So you mentioned like fiction books. One of the things I love to do is to spend some time in non in basically reading that that is not for any type of educational <laughs> purposes whatsoever. I love the I love words. And so I usually pick an, an author that writes in a way that is completely different than how I write but that is very beautiful to me. And so sometimes it could be fiction, sometimes it could be nonfiction, but I always pick someone whose writing style is that is something that just makes me happy. And it's, it feels good. And it's, it, it awakens me to different ways of saying things. Sometimes it can be, sometimes it can be very old writing. It could be like William Faulkner's stream of thought, stream of consciousness type writing, just to see someone do it different. Yeah. Sometimes it might be Stephen King because I want to see somebody do it different. And so I tend to pick stuff that's completely different than anything I would ever normally read because I want to I want my my creative process to be taken outside of its its usual and norm. Okay. And then um, when it's has and then another thing that I like to do because I tend to get a lot of creative rest from being outside is to go outside without any specific agenda. And so um, I don't live anywhere near bodies of water. I love water, but I don't, I don't live anywhere near water. So it may be outside just kind of walking around and just kind of paying attention to nature, not looking at anything specific, but just being open to see what I see. Yeah. Um, and that's, um, some people call it being present. Some people call it being mindful. There's a lot of different terms for that now, but I find that to be very helpful for me because normally when I'm outside, like walking or, you know, particularly if I'm training, I'm not paying attention to anything. <laughs> Looking at, I, I could walk by the same, you know, rose bush a thousand times when I'm training for that half marathon and not see it once. Yeah. You know? So just really being mindful and kind of present in the moment in nature has been very helpful for me. I appreciate that. I'm going to ask you for another one, though. I just I, I love hearing and I think everybody does just a real life testimony from somebody. So you mentioned uh, that's creative. What's a next one from your list? You know, sensory, social, spiritual, mm-hmm. emotional, mental, physical. What's another one that would be maybe the next most common one you address and how do you address it? The next one would be mental rest. I tend to very quickly get into that kind of um, overloaded uh, cerebral space syndrome where, you know, I lay down at night and my head's going through a thousand conversations and thoughts and to-do lists and everything else. 
Um, one thing that I find very helpful is doing a brain dump, is what many people call it. I keep a notepad at the at the bedside. Um, I used to journal, but honestly, I'm not a journaler, so journaling was stressful for me. Yeah. It felt like routine and rhetoric, and I couldn't do it. So just keeping a notepad that I can just yank the sheet off and crumble it up and throw it in the trash when I'm done works so much better for me. And so whenever I have these thoughts that won't go away, even if it's a to-do list, I just write the list down. And in writing it down, it allows my mind to kind of release it so that I can actually get into deeper levels of sleep. Mm -hmm. Because what I found and, you know, what the research is showing is that if you have a thought like that and you allow it to ruminate in your thought process, what happens is it's almost as if the brain says, oh, this is too important to let go. So it will keep that thought there even at the expense of you sleeping, even though you want to sleep. I mean, you're in the bed you want to sleep, but your brain's like, nope, they they keep thinking about this, so it's too important to let go. But when you write it down and you put it on something concrete, it's like giving the brain permission to finally let it go. And that works also for like negative self-talk. I don't know if anybody else does this, but sometimes you just have a bad day and you have this negative self-talk. So just write it down. You know, whatever it is that kind of got you into that headspace, if you write it down and process it later when you're not so kind of all emotional, you will actually get more benefit from it than just trying to kind yeah. of process it in the moment. Hey, we are kindred spirits and in, in just what you laid out there, Sandra. I used to journal and I'd talk about what happened during the day and I finally just lost any energy for doing that. I, I don't care. Now my time <laughs> in the morning is usually spent, me and to God, almost in a prayerful sense, of just kind of those personal admissions, man, this is what I'm struggling mm-hmm. with. This is what I'm feeling with. And to get it down is so helpful to get it out. But yeah, just as you talked about, it's interesting. And I want people to hear that because I've not heard somebody relate to journaling like that. We so often hear about that. Most of the people that I have on the show are authors. They're fans of writing. Journaling comes up a lot. And yet I know a lot of people struggle with it. And just as I said, I admittedly have depending on how the journaling is. I don't care to recite Mm -hmm. the day's events or or whatnot, which is what I did a long time in my life. But to write out lists, I I adore lists. I'm not a detailed person at all. I'm not... Uh, I'm, I'm zero detailed, but making lists and getting it off of my head so that I can go on somewhere else. I don't think I've ever thought about that that's why I do it, but that's why I do it. So thank you uh, for, <laughs> for giving me a mirror uh, to myself. And I'm sure we're talking about, you know, that that's, I don't want to lay that out there. That's what everybody should do. There may be a personality style aspect to that. I, I'm not sure, but figuring out how do we allow ourselves to rest? Well, any other primary self-care rest issues that you are consistently doing that you'd share? Um, I guess the final one would probably just be related to social rest with relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I find that it's really interesting when I was doing a lot of the research that a lot of couples talked about, you know, that was one of the, their, their spouse was the person that they tend to get social rest with. But they didn't feel like they had enough time, you know, (laughs) getting that social rest with their spouse. And, you know, in asking kind of deeper questions, many of them stated that they didn't even have like a specific time that they sat down with their spouse. And that's that's interesting because, you know, with social rest, a lot of it has to do with that that power of presence. It's that face to face time with someone. And so, you know, when you when you fall in love, you fall in love face to face. But then once you're married, it's like face to the screen and face to your TV, your computer, your iPad, your laptop, whatever. And, you know, that was one of the things that I started um, recommending to 
my patients and started doing myself and found such benefit. It's just picking a, a couple of minutes every day that my husband and I purposely are face to face and we're face to face, really just asking some of those emotional rest type questions. You know, how's your day? Not trying to fix it, not trying to analyze it, not trying to give advice on the day, just listening, just kind of being someone who's allowing me to share authentically what I feel without feeling like I have to censor it um, or make it make it digestible, that you're just going to let me get a moment to share a bit about myself, just to have that intimacy with someone. And I love the emails that I got from couples who've been doing that for just five minutes a day, yeah. every day, five minutes, face to face, just talking to each other and how many of them have stated that it has actually helped to restore their marriage because they felt like they were growing apart because they didn't know each other. Mm-hmm. But I mean, who who could think five minutes of just talking, you know, authentically could restore a relationship? But it can if that's if you haven't been doing that and all of a sudden you start doing it and you start hearing really the truth about what's going on with someone. It does do something with that relationship and it does help to make it stronger. Okay, I feel a little bit like you've been auditing my life. There's a video camera somewhere because you keep hitting on these <laughs> topics. That, and Because that's one that my wife and I have just recently started realizing we're in a place. We've got six kids at home. We have a mm-hmm. lot of fun stuff, exciting stuff going on, but we're just not connecting. And when we come home, if we don't take that initial time, she'll spend the rest of the night emoting on and around and to me. And if I will, if we will take, we're calling it kitchen time right now, because a lot of times we're yeah. cooking dinner. And so literally telling the kids, the kids got go, we're having kitchen time now. And her being able to share that and just kind of uh, get that off. She's just, she's at peace with me. I now know mm-hmm. what's going on. She's not trying to even subconsciously relate the, you know, what's going on emotionally to me the rest of the night. And it's such a big difference and such a small thing. And yet we have not done that well for so long. We go through periods and cycles. So uh, great confirmation. I'll be telling, I'll be kitchen time. We'll be talking about you tonight, Sandra. So <laughs> thank you for that. Thank you for, for this as so uh, again, so interesting to me, such a big topic of rest. And I love this on the habit show. Your book is so much of that. Here are habits for health around rest. And I, I, we're missing it so much and I see the, the vital need for it. So as I did in the first show, thank you again for doing what you're doing and uh, leading this charge. We need it, but I'll, I'll own it. I need it. And so I'm grateful. Oh, thank you so much. Well, just great sharing of successful habits and routines from Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. Again, I encourage you to take Sandra's rest quiz, check out her new book, Sacred Rest, and see all she has to help you with by going to ichoosemybestlife.com. Coming up in episode 814, necessary adjustments on the journey to your goals. Uh, You have a goal you're working towards, right? And if it has any true value, there are going to be challenges on the way and adjustments will be necessary. Or when things don't go as planned, do you just throw in the towel? Well, it sounds elementary, but it really gets to the heart of all of our pursuits and the challenges amongst the way uh, and our doubts and questions. I start the episode off with a two and a half minute message from Zig Ziglar, where he drives this point home in the only way that Zig can. And 
And then I asked Ziggler Show listeners this question. What goal did you achieve even though you had to make big changes to how you achieved it or the path to it wasn't what you expected? Well, Tom Ziggler joins me to talk through some of the replies and get to the root issue that derails so many great ambitions. Till then, folks, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. 